Welcome to Access Paracast, I'm Beth Darlington. In this episode, I managed to chat with the team Do You Believe Paranormal Research, who are based up in Townsville, when I got to spend a weekend up at Ravenswood at this gorgeous Imperial Hotel. Thinking of enrolling on an online paranormal investigator course? I reveal four tips that I have learned along the way which can actually help you save a bunch of time and money. And of course, I also had the pleasure of being invited to investigate Old Beechworth Jail with the Paranormal Prospectors Australia team, which had some very interesting experiences. But first. I've known Kaz Holmes and her team, Do You Believe Paranormal Research team, for a few years now, and these guys are avid followers of myself and Access Paranormal. So I had a spontaneous moment and I decided to fly up and spend some time with the team and their special guests for the weekend. Firstly, I want to know what made Kaz tick. I began by asking, you know, what started her paranormal journey? Just always been curious about it. As a kid, apparently I my father said that the house was haunted that we lived in, but I never seen him. Apparently the guy's name was Sam. Wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> but yeah, just always been intrigued. Loved watching scary movies all my life and it's like, yeah, okay, let's have a crack at this. I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but I haven't seen anything yet. Mm. I think I've heard something. Cool, cool. Now with investigating, is there anything that you really like trying out or any uh, sort of equipment or is there a type of experiment that you like actually doing? The only thing I like is I only use a torch. I do use a voice recorder but mainly it doesn't work because it's too, it's just a cheapo one so I need to get more money and get a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just use my gut feeling. I, I debunk stuff, so, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, P-A-E. <laughs> it's whatever term you want to use. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, I just go with my gut, really. Mm, cool. That's what Dad always said, go with your gut. What's your favourite location to investigate? My favourite location is the Imperial... Hotel in Ravenswood. Get out. North Queensland, Australia. Nice. I've been here probably about four times now. Still haven't really experienced anything, Mm -hmm. but the more I come back, the higher probability of something's going to happen. It's it's the best place. People should come and actually visit this place. It's a beautiful old building, I must admit. People know I geek out about the history and stuff, and I just I love it. It's so authentic. It's the people here, the management, and just it's just beautiful. It's in the perfect location. It's just far enough away from Townsville for it to not be Townsville, yes, and to be country enough. 
and yet the, you know you get that country hospitality and and like I said the building itself I can't wait to explore later tonight I am busting <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Don and John the yeah. owners they're awesome people yeah yeah ask them anything and they'll provide the answers if they can so yeah love it Now, Di Burke is also part of the team, so I managed to grab some time with her and hear about how she got involved with paranormal investigating. So Di, you've told me recently that you've had a very interesting start when it comes to the paranormal and being involved. Uh, some really intense experiences, are you able to explain a bit more about that? Okay, um, as a young child, very young, I would have been about two, uh, two, two and a half, we lived in Garbutt and I always remember a child that I used to play with, sit down with, mm -hmm. the whole lot. Then we moved to another section mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until later on that that child was like a spirit. Mm. Then the place we did move to, there was a lot of things happening around. There was an air hostess, which I thought was just awesome. And I used to believe that I was on a plane. Then things like that were happening. But then when I was an adult, I moved to Sydney. Our first, my first one was Belmain, which was a very old place. And it was, yeah, like you could feel it. Mm. Then there was Leichhardt, but the, the, the main house in Enfield where we moved to, the activity and, and, and what was going on there in the end was horrific. It was very scary and I actually seen the, the bloke that owned that property as it was a doctor's surgery and he didn't like me. Uh, things started happening to me. My then husband uh, nearly killed me by uh, pushing or throwing me out of bed. I had, and he was asleep. Oh, and, and uh, one episode mm -hmm. was we went to bed and the other half was asleep and I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Um, I felt as if I was being, and there was a stench. Wow. And there was a smell that I couldn't place. Yeah, yeah. But once I flew out of bed, as I got to the end of this, our bed, whoever it was, they I, literally threw me and I hit my head on the, the back of the bed. Wow, that's intense. And that is when I screamed and my, my ex um, woke up. Once, and it always happened when I was home by myself with my children, mm. never when he was around mm. until it, the real bad part started with the the um when, when he nearly yeah. killed me um yeah wow. how old were your kids at the time the eldest were evan was 10 karen was seven mm -hmm. and damien was a baby and as he grew older got older he used to talk to whoever it was mm. then he had a friend who did not look well did not like me and had literally smashed my TV. Wow. Yeah. 
and that's when I started wondering and starting to get a bit scared mm. because I had the children, uh, photos were taken, the place, the backyard was all lawn, but when the photo was developed, there were cobblestones underneath, well, they on top. There's a kiln at the back, so that's when I had to get help. Yeah, yeah. To come in to help me. And after the help was given, we lived there for another five, six years before we moved to Newcastle. But I've always been interested in like that side of it. And I, we used to go out in Sydney on a few investigations, which were really, really awesome. And then of course I moved here and then got back into it after a few years. And then we started coming here. Mm. And you know, I think it's about six, seven times I've been here. Yeah. And I love it. And I also, I mean, I love the Townsville Cemetery. Yeah. Belgian Garden. Nice. I love it. <laughs> so, and I do have children that are the same. Yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> yes. To me, Maggie seems to be the sensitive of the team, so I was intrigued to find out just that little bit more about her. So Maggie. Hi there. Oh, hi lovely. Um, I've got to ask you, what got you involved with Paranormal Investigating? When I was young, as far back as I can remember, I wasn't even in school. I was lying in bed for the first time I had this black mirage. You know, like from a distance when you're driving down a highway you see that invisible things looping so it's a mirage it was in the corner of my room mm -hmm. above my just near my head yeah and it scared me yeah. i didn't know what it was my mum told me to go back into the room and don't look at it yeah and then i used to wake up and see this brilliant really bright light but it didn't glow the whole room just that was staring at me it was right next to my bed yeah. and then um my mum's cup um, oh, wow. Yeah, she used to move, but it'd do a 360 every time it moved, like the whole cup would spin, but it only moved like about three inches at wow. a time, and it was only her cup, even though we had four cups to a set, and we weren't allowed to drink from any others, so, but anyway, after she died, um, this went on for years and years, and you'd see things in the corner, in your peripheral, and you know, you think, oh, did I just see that? And things get moved or noises. But after she died, that's when you got touched or it was like you were getting comforted, you know, stroked on the cheek, you know, it really, it was like electric, just a little electric tingle that would go over your cheek. Um, yeah, I think that's where my interest started. And I wanted to, you know, like, Am I the only one, you know? And it's something you don't talk about. And or when you hear voices, mm. now and again you hear a voice or a crystal clear voice. I mean, that is awesome. And you think, am I hearing yeah, that? That's, that's so true. <laughs> but, to all of us. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was at this place and they had a computer, but the hard drive wasn't there. There was no computer box, just the computer screen and some speakers. So I bent down to plug my, iP uh, my phone in to charge and I could hear this radio announce came out crystal clear, but it was so quick, I could not understand what ha what was said and it repeated. And I'm like, did anyone else, you know, like, yeah. did I just hear that? Yeah, so those things got me interested mm. and kept, yeah, kept my interest. So. Wow, wow, so you're a paranormal investigator. Yes, I am. What do you like most about it? 
I like the thrill of the potential. You know, that's what I just, you know, I want to um, proof of existence, yeah. you know, I want to prove that. Yeah. Um, a better understanding. Yeah. I like a good team that works together and knows, you know, and that's very, very hard to find that someone knows what you're about to do and you know what they're going to do and, you know, yeah. And to understand, you just understand and like I've been, we've had a few uh, investigations where we've got something mm -hmm. you know and being spiritual myself mm -hmm. um, sort of you know you, you know the vibes or you know you know the surroundings the what and then you've got the meter light up and yeah and it's validation you know, it's pretty, isn't it yeah, yeah and when they knock and, and it's just the thrill and it gives your hair all your hair stand up and you want to don't know whether to laugh or run out the room yes. or start crying <laughs> I usually do all three. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's good. So what motivates a person to buy a reportedly haunted hotel in Ravenswood? John and Diane Schulter are the owners of the Imperial Hotel and Diane began to reveal how they came to own the place, which started from when she was looking after her ill mother and she decided to buy this beautiful grand old building. Afterwards was when mum, I had her settled in Eventide and everything. So it sort of all, it sort of all fell into place. So anyway, when I came back, it was, it got rid of all the liquor and all the food, everything. There was nothing in here at all. So I had to come back and it wasn't real dirty, but it needed, you know, needed because it was three months before we came back. So we had to clean it all up. So I came back on my own and John had things to do in Charters Towers and tie ends up in there. Yeah. Anyway, I came back on my own to get the uh, electricity on and all that sort of thing that you have to do. So I was walking up those those steps oh, yes. with my suitcase and thinking to myself, thinking, I wonder if I can bring this place back to what it was. I wonder if I can do it. I was thinking this, and all of a sudden, just these just these beautiful brushings, beautiful, as though you were calming a child. And this voice from nowhere said, we are so pleased you are back. We are so happy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm, so I thought I'm going to be right now. Mm. And I really do believe the, the Delaney family that's here. I think the mother's here, Anne mm -hmm. Delaney, she died at 96. And then she had uh, t she had four children all together, only one married. Yep. One little girl died, who was one of the ghosts here. Um, and Tess and Joe, who lived till well, Joe was the last to pass on, and she was 96. Mm. And then uh, they sold it to Spurdles because the one that was married. Her kin were the only ones, and they didn't want it because they were city people. So they sold it to Spurdles, it only lasted three years, and then we bought it off the Spurdles and we've been here 18. And maybe when it comes to spirits, it also runs in the family too. I wish Layla was here, she's 12, that's my granddaughter. She can see them, she can, she can see the ghosts. So she said, there's the little girl, she's actually seen the little girl. And uh, we'll have to take her up to room seven. That's Gina's room, but she's not up there. But my son's in there at the moment because we thought we we didn't need the rooms. Yeah, so we'll have to go up there and see that photo. Mm. 
That's the little girl, uh, Kathleen, okay. that died at six. Aww. Yeah, from um, diphtheria. Oh, diphtheria, mm. was it? Yeah, but, and then uh, there's another man in the toilet, but Layla doesn't like him. She's, she, uh, we've got to wait there in the bathroom for her. She doesn't, doesn't like him at all, and she described him with a beard, and you know, it's the strangest thing. He had this the beard and the long white hair. And the other day this fellow came in and I didn't know him, he was talking to me, he said, oh, I've been here a long time ago. He said, uh, but there was a man behind the bar, he said, that was serving, because well, you've heard about Jack Judge, because that's his gold mine next door, see? Uh... And, yeah, and, and so I said, can you describe to me what Jack Judge looked like? He, he said he had a white beard and, and white hair and sort of oldish. And this dirty tea towel over, over his over his shoulder. But he used to wipe, wipe the glasses down with oh. it. Yeah. So that's that's probably who it would be. Yeah. Up in the up in the uh, bathroom, see. There was also something we discovered while at Ravenswood that was really kind of unexpected, and apparently bodies had been found dating from the pioneers further up the road. Like up here behind the school, they found all those. They found those bodies when they started digging. Yeah, it was the school was there, and then behind the school, at some stage, 18th century probably, there were just people buried there, 17 of them, and they didn't know who they were. So they've taken the bones away to see if they're male, female, child, yeah. and. Um, There'd be artefacts in there as well, like even just remnants of what they may have been buried with. Yes. That would give clues to yes. that person's life. Yes, we'll see a, a few of them were bound, yeah. may have been Chinese. So who were the original owners of this grand hotel? Yeah. You feel it. Yes, yes, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. But they've been good to me because there's been, there's been times when it's been hard. It's been very difficult, and you know, with business and people that um, that try and bring you down, you know, and you sort of you sort of just really gotta be strong. Yeah, yeah. and I'm yeah. and I'm sure that that they're there and you know, sort of helping. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's their hotel. Father built it. But I love it. It's it's just, and I like this, love this room best of all. It's the the dining room. Out of all the rooms, yeah, of a morning, I sit up here, aircon straight at me when it's hot, and have my cup of coffee, and I just doze off into another world. (laughs) It's good. And Damo Burke was also there from TPINQ, and I managed to grab a few minutes with him too. What got you interested in paranormal investigating? Um, From a real early age. um, I was born and grew up in Sydney. um, And just, yeah, from a very early age, had experiences um, that just, yeah, could not explain Mm. at all. Mm. It was just, yeah, what was it? Yeah, cool. And... 
with investigating, what's your what's the part that drives you the most? What do you like most about um, being able to look at uh, investigating uh, sort of paranormal phenomena? Um, it basically just trying to find an answer between what is now mm. and after. Mm. Um, it, it's just it's so intriguing. Um, yeah, basically just to find that answer. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I suppose it's like most of us, we mm-hmm. just want, want to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to support Australia's history by heading to places like these. So be sure to look up Do You Believe Paranormal Research Team on Facebook to find out more. There's been many things written recently about the types of online courses that are out there on the internet. One in particular, a skeptic had spoken about, said that all online paranormal investigating courses should be avoided. Well, I don't agree, but you've got to be smart about it. And here are four tips that I've come across from my experience. So firstly, tip number one, that it's got the words ghost hunter in the title. Now, ghost hunting and paranormal investigating are two very different things. Ghost hunting is more relaxed and it's more about the experience and the history of the location. You know, it's about having fun in a spooky place and you know, learning about experiences. But paranormal investigating is to do with more like research or, or looking for answers to possible paranormal phenomena. It really is the investigating of the who, what, where and why. So when you're looking for a paranormal investigating course, if it mentions ghost hunting in the title, then it's probably not for you. Tip number two, how much is it and for how long? Now there are many different courses out there that run for say a few hours, Um, some even run for like eight weeks. Again, it depends on the information being offered and how long you want to spend studying it. There are prices that range from $60 Australian to $500 Australian, which is probably um, 70, 80 US to about 1000 US. Um, Do keep in mind though that some of the them actually offer them as diplomas and they may only run for six weeks. Think about it, it's actually not really a diploma. Yes, although there isn't an official qualification for paranormal investigating, it doesn't mean that creating one called a diploma is actually wise. So have you heard of a diploma in electrical engineering that only runs for six weeks? Yeah, right, okay. Diplomas are by nature really, really in depth and are often a minimum of best need to run for at least 12 months. Tip number three, who is running the course? So does the person organization, you know, that is running this, you know, do they let you know who's running it? You know, who wrote it? Where, what qualifications do they have? What experience do they have? So what proof do they have of this knowledge that they've actually gained? And if you're looking at parting with your hard-earned cash, you're going to want to know who and what you're getting for it. So more importantly, is this information that you are paying for correct? Tip number four, is it accredited? And does that really matter? An accredited course sounds rather kind of official, doesn't really? But don't be confused by this term, please. All it really means is that the course has been structured in a way that fits a certain organization's standards. So it actually doesn't mean the information being provided is any more important or official. So for some, it gives this impression that this course is somewhat better quality and is better than the others. And well, let's face it, it's the, the opposite could be more true. So there you have it. 
a few tips to keep in mind when choosing your next paranormal investigation course. A little picturesque country town, off to the side, near the border. I was already taken in by its beauty, by its characteristic, and of course, by the people that were there that I met. I was greeted by Danny, who was fabulously warm and set the tone for the whole weekend. I had a small tour of the actual town itself, and I chilled out in my accommodation, which was the old priory, also meant to be haunted. Dinner was first at this beautiful old hotel, but of course everybody wanted to get ready for the investigation afterwards. While everyone started to arrive at dinner, I realised just how great this group actually was. We'd, most of us knew each other, or at least met each other at least once, and had that experience when it came to, to public investigations, so I already knew it was going to be a great night. We hunkered down for our first audio recording session, and I found something really interesting. I'm just going to listen out for a little bit, like about a couple of minutes, just getting used to what's around. Yeah, because obviously there's ambient sound with everyone. Yeah. Get further along, just get used to the environmental sound. Did you hear that? The room we were in was completely covered in carpet and we were all still listening out. It may be the sound of footsteps, but I'll let you hear it again. Environmental sound. Now this next part was a little bit interesting for me because I finally got a bit of Dutch courage and went right to the other end completely on my own in this dark hallway of this particular building. What happened next may possibly have been one of the most intriguing audio that I've heard in quite a while. Have a listen, it's very faint. Did you hear that at all? Very, very, there is, there is something there we heard audibly at the time and I'll talk a little bit about it soon. And of course this is what happens when you investigate with friends and you're single ready to mingle. Sharp cat. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, God. <laughs> remember, we're not provoking, remember? <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's Preferably ones without criminal records. On the drive back to Melbourne, I asked Adam more about the other experiences we had as we mulled over what happened the night before. But then we went down to the, um, I call it the creepy bathroom, but <laughs> it's, it's not actually not creepy. that creepy. It's only because I don't like it in there. <laughs> um, and a few weeks ago, I was playing some music, um, trying to engage um, with a persons that we know that died in there. Um, during that EVP recording I did with the music, it asked me to stop playing the music. Um, so ever since I've been trying to ask why you asked me to stop um, playing that music. Um, and then last night we did a session in there and the recording, I said, why did, what did you ask me to stop doing 
and we got back what we think might be the word play. It was definitely, it was either like pat or play. Yeah. yeah. It was a boop, like a, that popping sort of sound. So there was that word so very, we'll very clear. So we'll definitely tidy that up when we can get it onto a computer. Mm -hmm. um, the very first time I walked into that same bathroom, and hence the reason I call it the creepy bathroom, um, was I was actually had a hiss right in my face. Actually, had to step back a bit to say, "Oh, what was that?" Yeah. Um, and it was actually while we were doing our um, research on the on the facilities. So it wasn't actually a tour; it was just us walking around, getting a base reading. Um, so we left a recorder in there one day, and I have heard it again since, but not for a while. And then last night, I brought up about the hissing while we were doing our EVP session in there, and we captured a hissing sound. A hissing sound. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So it's, it was great. A lot of audible phenomena was heard and also um, what appears to be recorded as well. So I know there's going to be a lot of us that will be reviewing back again. This one also was really good, a couple of first EVP sessions where we were able to confirm what happened as well. So that was really good at the time. But it's, it was a great, great night. And it was interesting that it seemed to have escalated as soon as we split the group up because we had a fairly big group. But as soon as kind of we split the group up and actually ended up having you know smaller groups, um, it just seemed to kind of obviously amp up a fair bit and it, you know it's a theory of the fact that the smaller the group the more chance of um, activity which I've often found in the it past. It didn't help that it was nearly 40 degrees in there either yeah. last night. Yeah we got and to know each other really <laughs> well. <laughs> so, um, the other thing was, was and I'm happy for all of you to come to our jail and try and debunk this for me um, in the mess hall or the original um, check-in area of the jail there's a mirror on the wall where obviously the guards could get a 360 degree perspective of the room um, there's a reflection in the mirror. Now it's in a, a lit reflection um, and there is definitely a shadow figure moving through there. So we were trying all sorts of things again last night to debunk it yeah. um, and we're yet to come up with a plausible explanation. Yeah. Certainly not saying it's paranormal um, but just asking more questions it's, than giving answers. Yeah, there's definitely movement in the reflection but when you look down at the time, so one person's looking at the reflection of what's happening behind you yet there's someone looking behind. When you're looking behind, you can't see any movement, but yet there's movement in the mirror. So it's a very strange thing. There's got to be some sort of explanation. The movement of this figure isn't just kind of walking one side and then walking back the other or moving one way and moving the other. It moves, stops, then moves again, then moves, then moves. It's, it's inconsistent movement. So that's the one thing I found was really intriguing when I spotted it. So um, I wasn't able to find a plausible explanation for it. Ah, there you go, it's on video. Um, <laughs> can I take it back now? It's live. So um, I haven't been able to find a plausible explanation. Doesn't mean there isn't one. We just haven't found one as yet as well. I think the, for me personally, um, in the five hours that we investigated last night, my absolute mecca for the evening was um, I'll let Beth explain um, what they were actually doing um, because I was at the other end of the room. Um, but a person who I've done three or four investigations with before who is really keen and really loves the paranormal had her first psychic experience last night. Um, and uh, for the 10, 15 minutes after her, she had her experience, it was 40 degrees in this building. She could not stop her teeth from chattering. And she was covered in goosebumps and it yeah. freaked her out so much. Well, let Beth explain the game. It's, um, it's a technique that I learned from David Wells, of those who know David Wells, who was part of Most Haunted. Um, it's a technique that he taught when he came out to Australia for the very, very first Paracon many years ago. And he, um, it's a way in which you can actually start to um, sense something around you and sort of go outside your mind a little bit and uh, about where particular 
possible energies could be. So it's a kind of a psychological thing. It's kind of trying to bypass the conscious mind a little bit, just kind of letting go. And it's amazing sometimes what the, the information people bring through from doing that particular exercise. And um, I, I thought she probably had uh, you know, been, been a sensitive person in the past before and been able to pick up information like this, but found out later that she hadn't. So the um, detail of information she was bringing through was quite intriguing. So I was really interested, really interested in that. And of course the physical, um, side effects of it as well is quite interesting the teeth chattering the the, the sort of the, the shuddering as well sometimes you know people have different reactions when they're in those kinds of states as well so for her now she knows it's teeth chattering so she learned something new <laughs> a great experience was had by all and if you're interested in heading to old beechworth jail then be sure to check out the paranormal prospectors australia's group uh, on their facebook page and also on their website That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening and keep investigating.